Welcome to the High Speed Podcast, the official podcast of the High Speed Alliance, taking you further, faster, together. We are setting our course for freedom and legacy through mastery of business, finance, family, and lifestyle. Welcome to the High Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Forrest Bryant, and we are always trying to help our listeners and our members get to freedom in life and build a legacy plan. And we do that by mastering business, finance, family, and lifestyle. And I'm real excited today to have Scott Myers from Self Storage Investing. How are you doing today, Scott? Dr. Bryant, I am fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Um, I, I'm so excited to... Uh, to have you on, on, on the program today. You are one of the nations, if not the expert in self-storage investing. And uh, that's, that's one thing I've been in, uh, interested in for just such a long time. And uh, you and I were at a mastermind recently and we were sitting right next to each other. And then after I heard you talk, I was like, wow, I've been, I've been looking for this guy. So uh, uh, just really uh, uh, thank, I appreciate you being here today and, and, um, and, and learning from you and being able to bring what you do to, to our listeners. So I uh, appreciate you being here. Well, my, my pleasure. And uh, fate has a funny way of uh, working things out uh, when, uh, you know, like, like you said and how we met. So I'm uh, very thankful to be here as well and appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, why don't you, uh, you know, tell us a little bit, just kind of a, on a high level, uh, tell us a little bit about, about your business. And I know you've got an interesting story of how you got into it and you've got an interesting personal story on the, on, on the back end. So uh, just kind of fill us in a little bit. Sure, sure. Well, I've been um, in the self-storage business um, for about 12 years now, going on uh, 13 years. Uh, prior to that, uh, I began my real estate career as kind of a hedge to retirement, if you will, like uh, probably many of the folks that are on this uh, call right now. And that is, uh, I was looking to supplement retirement. Uh, I was working for a Fortune 500 company. So I started buying single family rental houses. And then I decided to buy more and then got into apartments. And uh, the business kind of took on a life of its own. And so I, uh, I, I quit my my job, my day-to-day, if you will, and then began investing in nothing but real estate full-time, 100%. Well, then I realized we had 80 houses and 400 apartments and, um, you know, all the, uh, the, the free time and the passive income and, and gobs of cash flow in this mailbox business, as the gurus called it at the time. Um, and I was drinking the Kool-Aid at the time as well. You know, just, it just wasn't there. I, I was working 16 hours a day and I was broke. Uh, because in the tenant and toilet business, you know, people can, um, you know, they can destroy your house and steal from you. And, and when you go to court, they call that excessive wear and tear and non-payment of rent and there's no recourse. And so, uh, you know, that's, I, I realized pretty quickly, you know, what um, even the best cook in the world can't fix a broken recipe and that business model didn't work. Um, but didn't go on, didn't want to go back to work for anybody else. Um, couldn't see myself after being out on my own working for somebody else again and loved real estate for all the reasons that, you know, that we love real estate, you know, they, it appreciates, it depreciates for tax purposes. We can borrow money to buy it. And when you put people in there to rent it out, they pay down your basis and you're left with what, you know, what is left over, which is a paid off property. You can see it, touch it, feel it. Um, you know, so that, that's a beautiful thing, but how do I get away from these tenants and toilets and trash, which is what is taking <laughs> the poor house. Right. So, um, you know, there's, there's parking lots, which you can't create any value in. They're just kind of stagnant. And then there's self-storage. Um, these are metal boxes on concrete slabs. There's no tenants and they're governed by lien laws instead of eviction laws, which means that if somebody doesn't pay, I put a lock on their unit and then I sell their stuff off. And finally I found the, the only corner of real estate where the good guys win. 
So we sold off all the apartments, sold off all the rental houses, and then just ramped things up on the storage side. And so uh, we've been uh, buying existing facilities, we've been developing facilities, and then um, along the way, uh, I've been asked, I was running my, my local real estate investor association here in Indianapolis, and we grew it to a pretty sizable group, and we were pretty well known throughout the country. And uh, a lot of the agents for the national speakers that visit these real estate groups knew that I was in self-storage and holding these little workshops and said, hey, there's really nobody doing this on a national level. You know, let's you and I work together on putting together, you know, some materials, some you know, home study materials, and that grew into then live events. And uh, before we knew it, you know, we, we had started an education company, and now I had two full-time businesses, uh, both teaching people how to get into self-storage and then investing ourselves. Uh, along the way, that uh, <laughs> those are both 60-hour-a-week businesses, by the way. And I realized pretty quickly something had to give. And so uh, we, we kind of backed away from the information and education side and really focused on high-level folks that had the ability to go out and do deals and transact deals that we could then partner with and partner on. And so um, about 2014, that's when we began that model. So it kind of eased back on all the travel and going anywhere that um, wanted Scott Myers to go speak and only focused on the places and the markets we were investing in. And so now we built this model where we teach the people how to invest, but we partner alongside of them, come alongside of them for a year, get them into a property, and then we take a small piece of that property and then the idea is that is the springboard and the catalyst for them to go do more and bigger deals. And then hopefully they'll bring us back into those deals and utilize our resources and our private equity and our lending sources. And uh, with the, the total goal of total self-storage world domination is the path that we're on right now. So that's, that's this, the, the 60 second or the 180 second version of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, t- tell us a little bit personally. Uh, I know, uh, I know you have some strong convictions that, uh, that, that are in alignment with mine, but uh, tell us a little of your personal backstory. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, uh, gosh, I don't have a whole lot of time outside of my kids to do other things. Um, but you know, the goal when we got into real estate was, um, that it would be a passive income uh, business. Um, and, and that, uh, we could, you know, take time off and time away. My wife and I had set this goal years ago so that we could go onto the mission field. And just so that we had time, uh, my dad was a workaholic and, uh, you know, God love him. He was doing what he did and he worked for a wonderful organization that, um, had some also strong convictions, but, he went around much and I, I, I vowed that I was going to be there for my kids and I didn't want to miss any sporting event practice or otherwise. And uh, I wanted to be available and, and be there. And so that is the business that we've created now, but that also meant that we, we want to spend time in the mission field with our family as well. So uh, we build houses in Mexico and in the Dominican Republic. Um, as you and I mentioned before the call on our sound check, I've been to just recently come back from Africa last week. Um, we're going over there with a, a group within our church that I lead where we're teaching men how to be men and uh, to be leaders. And so it, it's all about leadership. You know, we're, we're, we're growing leaders within our family. We're growing leaders other places and uh, giving back by building houses in these areas and um, helping these folks to get off the ground. And uh, in some of the areas that we that we operate, um, ending the cycle of poverty one family at a time by giving them that springboard for them, which is a housing so that they can get a job so that their kids can go to school because in many of these countries they can't if they don't have a home to go home to to do homework with so um the goal is you know four to six weeks out of the year we go off the grid and uh, no cell phones no contact and, and and we're on the mission field um doing his work being his hands and feet oh, that's amazing um i really respect that and um i, I appreciate you uh, for doing that and for being the man you are and the leader that you are. So that's, that's, that's to be able to and to do so, but thanks. Yeah, great. Okay. So, uh, let's, let's kind of, let's kind of jump into it here. Um, 
you know, this is, this is the public, the public uh, side of the, of the call here. And so uh, we're going to kind of keep it on a high level, just kind of maybe an introductory level. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, let's just kind of start with, uh, you know, self-storage. Um, you know, what exactly is that and why is that a good place for people to think about investing today? Yeah. Wow. Well, we that's a pretty broad question on the front end, you know, two hours on the front end. Um, <laughs> you, it, got thir- you got 30 seconds to answer that. No, I'm just, I'm just okay, kidding. Perfect. We can spend so, the rest of the call on that one question, right? Sure. Well, I could trust me. Um, you know, so the reasons why I got into it are for the ones that I just mentioned is that, um, you know, it really is built for the investor to win. You know, we, um, uh, we have control over these properties. If somebody doesn't pay, you know, we can evict them, essentially. It's not eviction, it's a lien law to move them out if they don't pay and sell their stuff off. Uh, but let, let, let's back up to the actual definition. Um, self-storage, you know, they are, for lack of a better word, if you've never seen one, they're the garages that you see on the side of the road. It's a fence facility, four to five acres with multiple buildings, anywhere between, you know, as little as 10 units, but usually somewhere between 100 to 500 or more units. Um, it is in, in, in traditional real estate circles, there are many folks that, that look at this as a business um, because there's, there's a little more velocity of rentals because there are more units. You know, a million bucks buys a whole lot more garages on concrete slabs than it does apartment units. Um, so we do have a manager that runs this, um, this facility. However, I think there's a, a myth and kind of a misconception that it is uh, very labor intensive because you know, we're really utilizing technology and we're one of the few out there that really you know, amplifies this and, and uses it to its fullest extent, which is managing our facilities with not only um, responsive websites, which means that you can go to the website and it responds to um, whatever device you're on, including a cell phone. We've got 70% of our rentals that are coming from uh, a cell phone and, and we have the ability for them to be able to rent a unit from a mobile device. And then also kiosks when they get to the facility, lack of um, having to have a 40 hour a week person on site um, by utilizing a kiosk. So however somebody is searching, when somebody is searching for storage, it's a commodity, but let's face it, it's not like a home where somebody's looking at school systems and neighborhoods and, you know, the, the total upkeep and, and um, curb appeal, although, you know, that's important. It's not the most important, you know, this is usually mom who has been given the task of renting a unit and it's one more thing on her list of things to do. Right. So from a management standpoint, we need to be found when she's looking. And so that means a good web presence, um, good pictures on that, nice and clean, able to find, secure, you know, all those elements that people want to store their stuff. And then we need to make it easy for them to be able to do so, to rent a unit, because uh, the, if you want to call it the early bird gets the worm, well, let's face it, um, it is a commodity. Nobody's shopping around. If you answer the phone, you set an appointment and, and mom comes in or whomever comes in to rent a unit, you know, there's no reason for them to leave. I'm not, you know, you've done a poor job if that is the case. So, you know, the business side, the management side of it is, um, it is really just that front end and making sure that you're responsive. Um, but then on the back end, it's, um, you know, making it easy for them to make payments with uh, auto payments. And then um, everything is good because we usually don't see them again. You know, they, they come in, they rent a unit seven, eight, nine, 24 months later, you know, they move out. We've got folks that have had their items in there for 17 years and people running their businesses out of our facilities that are storing inventory in there. So, you know, we provide the, the, the basics and take care of them and, and they stay. It's just a, it's, it's, it's simple, but not easy, if that makes sense. It's a simple, predictable business model. It doesn't mean that it's easy. Um, you know, you've got to run the business like a business. Uh, but at the end of the day, compared to the other forms of real estate, you know, we're so far, so much further ahead by just doing our job and setting ourselves up to win with, you know, basic business principles that uh, we are, we're winning. 
and we're replicating it and doing this all over the country. Wow. Well, uh, you know, it's so obvious to, I think a lot of people, if they've got their eyes open, just kind of looking around, I know where I live there, there, there's a, there's a ton of them and they seem to be popping up brand new ones are popping up, uh, right and left. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, as a country, it seems very obvious that we are collectors of stuff. Do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I, I can see that this, this business model just makes perfect sense because, um, a lot of people, they'll, they, they just, they collect all this stuff. And if, if they're, if they're going and putting that in storage, uh, most likely they're just going to forget about it and just keep, keep paying that bill every month because there's, there's a pain point, I guess, we're trying to, trying mm-hmm. to go and, 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 and move that. Correct. Correct. Yep. What's easier, write the check or, you know, rent a truck, get your brother-in-law and go down and move it out. Uh, I'll tell you what's easier. It's yeah, it's just going to keep writing that check. Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, obviously right now that makes a lot of sense uh, because of just the way Americans are, they, they, they collect a lot of stuff. They need uh, extra places. Like you said, I know you've got some small business and then, you know, let's just hit on, I I know uh, uh, on, 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 from a demographic level, the population is growing. Um, mm-hmm. we've got baby boomers that may be downsizing. It mm-hmm. just seems like there's just like this perfect storm that it's great right now, but it's only going to get better, isn't it? Yeah, that, 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 that's true. And I want to touch on that point. I'm glad you brought it up because, um, you know, they are uh, popping up all over the place. And for those of you that are watching this, um, if you haven't seen them before now, if you're paying attention to this call, you'll see them everywhere. Uh, but when, you know, one of the common questions that I get then when people ask, you know, hey, what, do you, what is it that you do with salmon cell storage? And it's like, oh, man, I see those everywhere. Isn't that competitive? Isn't, you know, aren't we overbuilt or saturated? And, um, you know, my answer is, for, well, first of all, you know, <laughs> nobody ever says that when another Starbucks goes up, right? You know, that's, <laughs> Starbucks doesn't build these things for kicks. It's because they've done studies and there's a demand. Right. No different than us as developers when we develop a cell storage facility. You know, we went through this uh, recession and we're, we're still on the way out of it or heading into another one, depending upon how you look at it. Um, there was a lack of development, like all forms of real estate during a recession. You know, the banks shut the faucet off to speculative real estate, meaning development. Um, they, they will do existing, you know, looking at trailing numbers and they'll, they'll, they will loan on those, uh, but they shut off development funding. And so that has happened through this recession. Um, but as, as you mentioned, self-storage actually does better during a recession because people downsize um, naturally because uh, some folks are losing their job or one breadwinner loses their job and they're moving back in with their parents, moving back in with friends businesses downsize, they store extra inventory, or they sublease their uh, office space, and then they put cubicles and copiers and things in storage. And so, you know, storage continues to go up and to the right, because yeah, we're a nation of pack rats, as you mentioned, but during uh, a recession, we actually spike, we do much, much better during uh, that time frame. So yes, uh, indeed, we're, we're taking advantage of that, we're, we, we look forward to a recession, I hate to say it, but, uh, but I don't hate to say it, because uh, we shine, that, that is uh, what we're gearing up and, and preparing for. So just because of the nature of uh, the business and, uh, and what we're heading into, um, yeah, that's, um, we're in a good spot right now. Did I answer your question? It seemed like there was a second part that I was going to touch on, but um, well, just the, the future demographics, not, not just if we're heading into a recession, but just mm-hmm. with population growth. Yeah, yeah. So you know, storage is, t- is really the demand is tied to the population. I mean, pretty predictable. We can see that one in 10 households rents one or more self-storage units in almost any market we go into. Uh, we've got other parameters that we look at a market. Our, in our market is defined as usually five uh, five mile radius, but most likely three mile radius of, of our, our site. That is our demographic. That's what we're looking at. And within that market demographic, we're looking at the amount of square footage per person. 
and our equilibrium is somewhere around seven square feet of self-storage per person. And so that's, that's the first marker that we look at in a market. But then beyond that, the actual demographics uh, that, that um, are the propensity for storage or creating demand is you know, military because they're very mobile, um, uh, college because uh, they need that storage, although it's not the best business model. Uh, meeting income of 45000 or more, you know, too low, and they don't have enough money to store or have things too much, and they've usually got big houses and, and, and basements and places to store stuff. So there's a number of things that go into that, but then comes, you know, what we're, what we're seeing as a, a, a country, and that is, yeah, the aging boomers. Um, they are downsizing, and so there's still stuff they're not going to get rid of that they put into storage. Uh, they are also, if they've, if they've done well in preparing for their retirement, they've got a second home. And so when they go from one to the next, they store things at either one, especially if they're renting out their summer home that they go to when they come back north for the winter. Um, they're moving towards their kids to be with their grandkids and they're therefore creating a need for storage. Um, if they bought boats and RVs, they can't store them in their driveways. And so that is also creating a need. But then, yes, as the, as the aging boomers uh, age, they go into assisted living, which then is another reason for downsizing. And then after assisted living, they pass on. We have our uh, we settle the estate via a will and an estate sale and a, and a yard sale, and there's still stuff left over that the family you know may not want, uh, but we can't get rid of because mom would kill us when we get to heaven if we got rid of <laughs> the, the sentimental things that were hers. So it all goes into storage, and and again back to you know the statement that you made for us, which is hey you know we can't get rid of that stuff, and what's easier to to, to make the hard decision or to just write the check and, and, and we write the check mm-hmm. and so we continue to see people that are just doing that because it's deferring that decision and storing uh, that stuff somewhere else and uh, that is a huge um, demand uh, we're seeing a huge increase in demand for storage because of the aging boomers in our population yeah. uh, that, and I, I totally agree with you I think I just saw uh, uh, new some new numbers uh, popular uh, you know in the United States we've got over you know 300 and I think around 320 million people and by, by 2050 we're going to be 400 million people so I mean all those people they have to have a place to live they're going to have to have a place to store things and you know regardless of what you know the stock market does and uh, you know what what business and economy does uh-huh all of those people are going to have to have a place to live and they're going to have to play, have a place to, to store things. So you, you, uh, uh, you mentioned there may be a recession coming up. I know you are plugged into, um, uh, I, I know you're in a lot of different masterminds and you have your own mastermind and you, you know, a lot of people that are in a lot of different markets, mm-hmm. uh, and not just different markets, but different types of real estate all across the nation. So you get a lot of download from a, a, a lot of different people and uh, just, you know, what's, what's, uh, what's Scott's feeling of, you know, where we are right now in, in, you know, the general economic cycle and also kind of in the real estate cycle. I mean, you know, what, what are you feeling? What are you hearing? You know, what's, what's kind of your opinion on where we are? Yep. Well, uh, first of all, let me uh, qualify that by saying my crystal ball is broken these days. <laughs> and so, but I do, nobody has a perfect one, no matter what they say. So, um, but you know, let, let's just say also for for those of us uh, like yourself, Dr. Brian and I, that have been around for a couple of recessions, you know, we know it's common. I mean, it's first of all, it's happened since the beginning of time. You know, every seven to ten years, we go through one. And so, um, you know, in 1999, um, I was um, a victim of that um, recession. Didn't come out of that one so well. And um, then in 2008 and 2010, I wasn't prepared and we still did all right because I was in storage at that point. 
um, but not where I want it to be and needed to be. And so for this, this next recession that comes up, we're going to be big participants in it because storage, again, it does, um, you know, it, it, it thrives during that time. So what we're doing to prepare for that is, again, we're, we're, we're gaining as many private equity investors as we can, because when the banks shut off their development dollars again, you know, we want to be primed and ready for that. So after this last recession, you know, we saw, again, a glut of development of self-storage, yet a huge demand. And so we're woefully behind in terms, still, in terms of development for self-storage. We don't have enough square footage of self-storage to keep up with demand. You'll find almost all the major metropolitan statistical areas um, are full with waiting lists um, on their self-storage facilities. So we're gearing up for that. Now, the timing of it, which is your question, um, you know, depending on who you talk to, you're right. I listen to everybody, and I, I think I'm more I'm maybe hyper aware of it just because I've been through two now, and I've seen, you know, the carnage of the last time, uh, two times that I've been through it, and all my uh, friends and associates that were in real estate, especially in other forums that are no longer around. <laughs> mm. um, so what we see is, um, you know, what we're keeping an eye on is you know, we're, at, we're at, you know, 2008, you could say 2009 was the last one. And again, seven to 10 years, usually seven years, um, like clockwork. And so we're, we're overdue. Um, we've seen a little bit of an uptick in interest rates. That's always, you know, the, the first sign. We knew that we were going to see that. Um, but what's more telling is usually the bond market. You know, we've seen that, that same activity in the bond market, like we've seen in the past recessions that are occurring. People are shifting into the bond market, um, you know, getting ready for the long haul. Uh, business bankruptcies are up significantly already. Um, so if we're starting to see that interest rates coming up, people moving into uh, the bond market, and then uh, ultimately that trickles over into a, it, it makes it into the national news. And at that point, and then it's all about consumer confidence after that, that's usually what um, sends us down in. If it is, if it isn't a huge spike in interest rates, it, it then jump starts it. It's just the erosion of consumer confidence. So, um, you know, housing acquisitions uh, are usually the first to go. And then we see it in automobiles and then just flat out retail sales go down. So, you know, I, I think um, this this uh, Christmas buying cycle, if not earlier, you know, when we see where we're at after um, uh, Black Friday, you know, that, that may be telling sign if we have another interest rate hike before then. We'll see it. Um, most markets are still strong in terms of, um, you know, uh, first time home buyers and just plain you know, residential housing sales, not on the investment side, but, you know, first era uh, folks that are living in primary residence, um, if, if those continue to stay strong, then this may be delayed a little bit. So uh, long-winded answer to your question, w- you know, we're certainly seeing the be- beginning stages of it right now. You know, all, all the steps are falling into place, but whether that's going to happen by the end of this year, middle of next year, first quarter of next year, or we could go through, you know, we could stay where we're at right now and go through all of 2018 kind of, you know, status quo where we're at right now. Um, I, I've heard a lot of folks that are stating 2018 is going to be about as good or, or as strong. Nobody's predicting any upticks. Most people are saying it's going to turn down, but there's a lot of folks optimistic that say things are going to stay the same through 2018. Personally, um, I, I feel that um, all it's going to take is, is one more giant um, issue um, across the pond in Europe, you know, a, another economy to fail over there. And I think that's going to send us down, but we don't know if that's going to happen or not. So I, I, I'm preparing for somewhere around third quarter to the end of next year um, that our business model is going to shift. And um, we're preparing for that. All the deals that we buy right now and, and where we look, look at um, interest rates and how long we're going to hold a project um, is all dependent upon the recession and election cycles. And so we're looking pretty strongly at that right now. Uh, excellent, excellent summary. Um, very good. I appreciate you sharing that. Okay, so let's uh, 
let's let's dial it in a little bit. And so let's let's look at if uh, if we've got a, a new real estate investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of our a lot of our members are uh, they're doctors, they're dentists, they're small business CEOs. So you know they they they're they're bankable. They've got good net worth, good cash flow, and uh, you know kind of talk us. You know what's what's kind of an easy uh, high level view of you know how would they how could they participate. Uh, with you and what you do, you know, kind of talk us, uh, walk us through that, those steps. Like what's an easy way to get started? Sure. Sure. So um, again, we have two businesses. We have the education business where we teach people about it. And then we also have the, the investment side of the business and they, and they do meld together. So uh, m- many of our folks um, that are interested in investing, even if they're looking to invest passively and not actively, you know, they, they will come to our, our three-day events and, and learn about the business so they just know the talk and the lingo and know what to look for and how to analyze a deal if they're looking to invest even passively. Um, we also have a developer's event that shows people what a development looks like in timeframes and people get their heads around that. Um, beyond that, you know, we have folks that will come to us that, that do want to invest passively and they just want to have deals put in front of them. And so we hold webinars and we put these deals in front of them and, and we show them the projections about an hour, hour and a half long, um, break down a deal, tear it, tear it apart, put it back together again, show the projections and then uh, projections of uh, when we're going to exit, maybe three, four, five years and uh, what those projected returns are. Some cash flow along the way, development projects, not a lot of cash flow on the front or, or, or none. Then we start to make that up, but then the big kickers on the back end when we're you know, doing the development projects, and so that's where they get their larger uh, you know rates of return. Um, depending upon, and this is all dependent upon you know how active the person wants to be. If they have the time and the wherewithal, you know, learn the business. Um, you know, our organization is known as the best for teaching people how to do it. But outside of that, you know, go partner with somebody or learn it somewhere else. And uh, you can invest in the business on your own. There's there's a lot of heavy lifting that goes into the front end. But the good news with self-storage is once you get those you know, systems and procedures in place on the back end from a management standpoint, and, and we use third-party property management companies, you know, it, it's pretty darn close to being a passive income investment if somebody wanted to do that on their own. So in other words, you know, get an SBA loan for your first one because the SBA loves self-storage. Uh, again, bankable, if credit's good and having a down payment, um, you know, fantastic. I would suggest if you're looking at doing something off the bat, you know, right out of the gate on your own or, or with a partner, that it's an existing facility taking on a development and the time that that takes is probably a little too much to bite off. Um, but at the end of the day, we also have a lot of folks that will invest with us passively on the first one. You know, attend all our webinars, and I we do quarterly webinars to update our investors as to what's going on, and so they they, they get an education just by the mere fact that they're owners, you know, they're equity investors, and we relay that information and walk through exactly what's going on. So uh, by listening, by slash osmosis and being an owner, then a lot of our folks will use that then as, the, again, the catalyst or the springboard to then going out and buying their own because they, they, they've shortened the learning curve, they get it, they've already got one under the belt, you know, the banks really like that if they want to take on a bigger deal, and if they still have the equity available or the cash available, then they can go out and, uh, and do one on their own. So, uh, long winded answer to your question, and I know you know kind of very diverse, but um, you know those are the ways I, I would say most folks um, that are in a position of, of probably, if I'm guessing correct, you know the demographic of folks that are on this call, um, they'd be looking at doing something passive and then still looking to do something later on, um, perhaps in a partnership, you know, with somebody um, like ourselves, uh, but but you know one to one ratio instead of in a, in a syndicate with multiple investors that have invested a smaller amount. And then moving on down the path that way until they get to the place where they can, you know, if they want to or get to the place where they're going to retire and give up their practice, then, 
very easy to get into this business um, in your later years. Um, you know, you don't have to go paint. You don't have to do any of the heavy lifting. <laughs> it's, it's looking at the numbers and, and working with the contractors and it's just conversations with the knowledge you have in the business and then go out and develop and do more on your own. And that's, you know, that, that's what really happens is, you know, when you get in the first deal, the floodgates open and then all of a sudden all the lenders love you and uh, the contractors take you seriously. The brokers take you seriously. And that just opens up a lot of doors for people to then go out and do it on their own when they're ready to do so. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And just to dive in just a little bit deeper on that point. Um, <laughs> if, if somebody wanted to be totally passive mm-hmm. and they were, they were an accredited investor yes. and then they could participate in one of your syndications. Correct. And mm-hmm. so just uh, 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 two questions on that, you know, what's, what's a minimum investment and then just kind of, uh, uh, we don't have to get too deep into return, but I know that just from our discussions that uh, you're looking at high double digit returns, but you know, right. what's the minimum investment for somebody who wanted to be totally passive and just kind of on a high level. Sure. I know every deal is different. Yeah, they, they are. And, um, you know, as we talked before the call, and I think um, also in Texas, we we set up a, a syndicate for each and every property. So we don't have a, a fund. We don't have a blind pool. Um, that's by design. I don't want to be forced to have to find deals to put in it to get returns to my investors. And so uh, we, we do it a little bit reverse order. So we, we get a good development opportunity or an existing facility. We put it in a contract. Um, the race is on. The pressure's on us to raise the capital to, to put that together. Um, but as you mentioned, yeah, we have, we have double, high double-digit returns so that we can attract those investors to get these deals done and closed. And so um, our, our properties range anywhere from, you know, $300,000 for like a small turnaround existing facility uh, uh, to upwards of $7 million on our high-end class A development projects, like uh, one we're doing in Tampa and another one in Denver and another one we're getting ready to do outside of uh, Detroit, Michigan as well. So uh, our, our folks, the minimum to get in when we set up these syndicates is $50,000. And depending upon the project, if it's a turnaround, a smaller turnaround project, then we may look to exit, meaning um, either refinance and and cash out our investors, but in almost all cases, we're selling it and then um, distributing the uh, the profits on the back end in in two to three years on those. Uh, The development side, we're looking at more like a five-year project on those, um, anywhere three, four, five years um, till we get it uh, leased up, built, leased up, stabilized, where, you know, there's really, um, there, there's room for somebody on the back end, but we've got it up to 85% occupancy and, and maximize the value. And then at that point we sell. And so there's cash flow along the way. Um, but um, the larger chunk is, uh, is on the back end. So, um, you know, cash flow investors, we have deals for them. If they're existing facilities that we're going to turn around, they'll start to cash flow right away. Uh, but our sweet spot, it's for the folks that, that have a job, they have an income, they don't need additional cash flow, at least right away. And so as these things, you know, break even and begin to cash flow, then we start, you know, dripping out the distributions. Uh, but when we get up into those, you know, those high internal rates of return is only comes on the back end of the sale when, you know, we get a two or $3 million pop on the value we've created and then share that with everybody. Um, that's, that, that's been kind of our, our model right now. So all individual, keep it nice and clean, uh, very conservative projections. Um, our, our goal is to um, you know, under-promise and over-deliver so that, again, we don't have to beg for uh, the private equity on our deals. As a matter of fact, you know, we, we have a poll strategy where our folks are saying, okay, when's the next one? Can I get into the next right. one? Yeah, oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, so um, you have a, uh, have a favorite book, favorite book or favorite quote you want to share? Well, 
You know, the one I read every day is the Holy Bible. Outside of that, um, right now, I'm going through, I don't know about you, but I've got, you know, when, when you said, hey, I've got something, that, you know, a handy or something, I've got a stack of books over here. <laughs> it's, I continue because I ask the question all the time. Um, like you, it's just, I, I ask them, hey, what are you reading these days? Yeah. And uh, they'll tell me and I'll go buy it, you know, and then I've got this stack of books. But um, what I'm doing right now is, um, is reading uh, Rocket Fuel. Um, by Gina Wickman. So uh, traction, I have, uh, uh, I've been through traction once and we're implementing that. But then uh, what, what Gina talks about here is, uh, as you're aware, of course, is that um, you can't do it on your own. And I realize that. Um, so um, I am the visionary in my organization. And then we have to have the implementer. And that's, that's what Gina talks about. And so uh, we've recently hired an, an implementer in November. And uh, we're slowly working together so that he understands how I make decisions and really even how I speak. Um, to the different folks in our organization and vendors or anybody that meets us. Um, and, it, and it starts by having somebody who's aligned with the same moral compass as you have that is very similar. So very important, whether you use top grading or, you know, what, what Gene talks about in traction, um, you know, setting up your culture and making sure you hire to that. Um, we've done that. And so now we're working through and getting our, our implementer up to speed um, because my goal is to step back. If I am going to scale this and grow this, um, I can only uh, do so much. And my, you know, my job every day should be taking properties on this conveyor belt and opportunities, you know, that are leads and making sure they're deals and then getting, matching it up with the private equity and the banks. And uh, they, that's my job. That, that's my role. So anytime I'm, I'm spending away from that, uh, you know, I'm not able to scale and grow the business. And so that's the place that we're getting to. So and it's not too, it's never too soon to start. I, you know, I think this is for anybody, um, even right. for those people that haven't read, say, you know, the four hour work week, you know, where you're introduced to the, the um, onset of virtual assistance and, you know, just getting into the mindset of realizing you can't do it all. You can't control it all. Um, you, you, there's other people that are out there that can do a lot of these things better than you anyways. And at the end of the day, you shouldn't be doing all that stuff or you'll never get anywhere. So um, if anything, I think it's a good read for that. I'm not selling it for any reason, but uh, that's just uh, it's a good reminder for me. And I knew that, but now this is really, you know, the kick the rear, you know, to force me to, to, to delegate and get more off my plate. Yep. Well, I know, uh, um, I know you have exhibited and continue to exhibit leverage in your business. And so I think that's, that's huge. And uh, I can't agree more uh, with Gina, Gina Wickman with uh, traction and rocket fuel. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent um, uh, suggestion there. Mm-hmm. So uh, last question before we go, uh, what's your definition of freedom? You, you mentioned it a little bit in your, uh, your, your discussion up front because your definition of freedom uh, changed or it was, you, you realized that you didn't have freedom when, right. when, you, when you were uh, working those 16-hour days. So uh, I can, I'm sure you can verbalize it a little bit better now. Yeah, you know, when I, uh, having 80 houses and 400 apartments, I mean, there's, there's certainly people that do that and, and more, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not an idiot, um, perhaps a little bit of a control freak, but at the end of the day, even with property management companies and what have you, you know, there's decisions that need to be made that fall on your desk. And, um, and that happens all the time when you're dealing with, with, with people. So uh, even with good lieutenants in place, you know, we just found that there were certain things that um, I, I was afraid to go on a cruise. Uh, wait a minute, there's going to be three hours in which my phone doesn't work. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and just didn't have that nor the, the, the passive income that we thought. And so, yeah, we made, we made the shift into self-storage. And, you know, after we sold our, our, our last apartment complex, my, my wife says, you know, like a couple of days later, she goes, do you know anything different about today? And he goes, no, what? She goes, it's quiet. <laughs> it's quiet. The phones aren't ringing. You know? 
um, property management companies and managers don't take care of all the issues. They don't wave a magic wand. But when you eliminate that from the business model, that equation, um, you know, we just have stuff in our units. And if nobody pays, we lock the manager, locks them out, we sell them off. There's just not that, you know, human issues. There's no sense of urgency. There's no pipes that burst. There's no fights. There's no people, you know, with their dogs pooping on the grass and yelling at each other and, you know, all those other issues and people screaming about mold and health department and stuff. We just don't have that. Mm. And I'm not poo-pooing that for, for those out there that are investing in, in single family homes and apartments. I mean, we made a lot of money in those areas. Uh, we also just, um, you know, didn't, uh, we decided that uh, we didn't want to be in that arena as well. And so that's, that's why we got out. I'm, and again, I'm not um, poo-pooing that at all. I'm just, you know, life changed and, and, and the, the ability for me to go to Africa for 10 days and not, not worry about getting internet until I get back into the airport. Um, and by the way, nothing happens, you know, there's <laughs> to prepare for ahead of time. And there was nothing waiting for me when I, when I came back. And when we go to Mexico with my family, you know, I can focus on doing what we're doing there and focusing on my family. And, um, you know, to me that, that, that's freedom. Um, not only the freedom that to be able to, to move about, um, you know, a lot of us can work from different places, you know, and being mobile, um, but to go off the grid and not have to worry about anything to me, that's uh, right now, that's freedom. And, and, mm-hmm. and we'll continue to define that, you know, in the next 10, 15, 25 years, we'll have this conversation again, and that's going to look a whole lot different. Yeah. Well, and you, you can't put a dollar on that. You can't put a dollar on, sure. uh, taking, taking that time and spend it with your family and, and not have to worry that, uh, everything's going to fall apart while you're gone. So, and, 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 uh, you know, a lot of our doctors and dentists and CEOs, they just, they don't have that right now. So, and you just, you just can't put a dollar figure on that. So I really I, I appreciate you sharing that. And that's what we want uh, for our listeners to be able to experience that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So man, this is great. So we're going to go into our members only uh, podcast. We're going to go deeper. We're going to talk about specific types of deals and, and we're just going to go in a little bit deeper. But uh, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? We'll put it in the show notes, but uh, how would you like them to get, get in touch with you? Best way is go to our website, selfstorageinvesting.com. You know, we've got some resources. If you are interested in learning a little bit more about um, self-storage and, um, you know, access to our live events, a little bit more about our backstory, a little bit about the industry as well. Um, we, we are the industry leaders for teaching people about uh, the business. So um, everything you, you need just about is uh, there by heading over to selfstorageinvesting.com. Uh, that's great. You got a way, uh, an awesome website. You got a, uh, a downloadable book. You've got uh, home study courses on there. You've got your live events. I mean, you got a lot, a lot of really good stuff on there. So encourage our listeners uh, to to head over there. So um, for our listeners, thank you for 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 listening. This has been the High Speed Podcast. Scott, thank you so much. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna transition into our members only section. But uh, thank you for being with us, and uh, we'll we'll talk with you soon. You've been listening to the High Speed Podcast. To read our blog and to learn more, visit our website at www.highspeedpodcast.com.